Hey, good morning, everyone. We are in a series exploring various seasons we walk through, whether emotionally, spiritually, or relationally. And today, we are looking at the most challenging season of the four. It is one close to my heart, one I don't enjoy walking through. And as we get into this today, you will, many of you will identify. Uh, it's not a favorite season of most people, but I have learned over the years that it is a necessary season. And hopefully if I do a decent job today, you'll understand why it's necessary and hopefully you'll find some encouragement and some direction if you happen to find yourself in this particular season. And I'm talking about winter, winter. About 15 years ago, I entered into a season of spiritual and emotional frost. That is literally the only way I know to describe it. The warm sun, keeping my soul, mind, and heart, and faith alive, disappeared behind dark clouds, clouds of doubt and fear and dread. I didn't see it coming. It caught me so off guard, I was stunned. I was in the middle of leading a growing church, preaching every Sunday morning, leading through series. I'd recently completed a graduate degree, helping Lana raise three kids. I didn't want to enter into this particular season. I didn't need it. In fact, what I needed was warmth, assurance, confidence, certainty. What I received was the opposite. I was thrown into the agony of this emotional trauma as like a lion just kind of discards its prey when it's finished picking its bones. All seemed dead inside of me. I didn't, I didn't know how to recover. I mean, I was just like, what's going on? I just felt everything had flipped upside down in my life. It felt cruel. And I questioned whether or not I was going to be able to recover. Talking about winter. What is an emotional, spiritual, relational winter season? It's a season of numbness, a season of ice, a season of hibernation, a season of isolation, a season of death. The famous phrase describes it well, it's a dark night of the soul. Many people go through it. I have really no idea why it is that we go through it. I mean, I have some insights, some theories. Uh, but when you go through it, you just kind of sit there and go, what is going on? What's the point of this? Hope I can get out of this as quickly as I can. For some people, it lasts for days. For other people, it lasts for weeks. For a few people, it lasts for years. We don't understand it fully. I'm certain some personalities are more prone to it than others. Also, the experiences of your past play a part, and so do the kind of religion you were raised within. Many things can trigger a deep winter season. Disappointment can trigger it. You go through a, a time where you're just extremely disappointed. Maybe it could be disappointed in the church or disappointed in a person or disappointed in your spouse or disappointed in who knows what, and it triggers that in your life. Could be betrayal, could be grief, could be pain, could be loss, could be existential questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Is there meaning and purpose? beyond this earth, beyond what I see around me. I'm sure it's different for every person, although we all share similar experiences. To me, and this is all I can do today, is share my story, share my experience with you, and hopefully draw some conclusions and some wisdom and pass that along to you. For me, 
the most difficult part of a winter season is the silence. It's just the lack of movement. It's the stillness of it all, the bitterness of it all, the waiting for an answer, an explanation, a reason, waiting for some sense of meaning, hope, a ray of warmth through the chill. I spent my teenage years in central Indiana. I experienced a lot of cold winters growing up there, some filled with snow and ice. And one of the most surreal experiences of heavy snow, and if you grew up in a place where you had a lot of snow and you know, you've gone outside in the middle of maybe a winter storm or after the snow has come, you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, walking through the snow after it covers everything, it's a surreal experience, it is for me. Many times I walk to my friend's house after we receive 10 inches, 12 inches, 15 inches, and as you're walking in the snow, you can almost hear your heartbeat through the multiple layers of clothing because everything is just so quiet. It's as if the sound is frozen too. The soft snow absorbs all the sound, leaving you alone in your world. You heard your feet crunching your jacket rubbing against itself, your breath, your sniffles. You can hear everything. It's the same thing when you go through an emotional wintertime, a spiritual wintertime. All other sounds are muted. It doesn't matter what people say to you. It doesn't seem to matter what a sermon is or a song is or advice that people give you. It's just all muted. And the only thing you hear are the voices in your head. And sometimes those voices drive you crazy. And when you're walking through it, nothing seems fair. In fact, you just want to scream at the universe. You want to scream at God. You want to scream at people around you. You know, what's going on? Why am I going through this? This is not fair. I didn't need this. You know, I got a lot of other things to be doing. Right when I need, you know, encouragement. Right when I need certainty. Right when I need confidence. Now, I can't seem to find any of it. Why? Why do we feel that? Why do we want to scream, you know, to the sky? Because nothing seems as if it's working right. That's why. Everything you've known and everything you've treasured smashed around your feet. You feel as if you're standing by and you're just watching the demise of every emotion, value, and belief you've ever loved, you've ever found security within. It's just smashed. It's just broken. And you're trying to find your footing. It's hard. I want us to look at one passage together real quick, and then we'll... We'll go a little further into this. Paul, Paul the Apostle is writing in this very you know, famous book in the New Testament called Galatians. And he's, he's one of the greatest Christian leaders that's ever lived. And he's writing in this letter called Galatians to the early church. He's writing to these early Christians. And these early Christians are confused about their faith. They've had some false teachers come in and disrupted their faith. They were growing, they were doing well, but some people came in and began to confuse their faith and tell them that they had to follow certain Jewish customs to really be a Christian, and they had to add in some law to really be a Christian. And Paul comes in and says, you guys are being confused here. Let me straighten this out. And in the middle of this letter, he just drops this beautiful line. And it says in verse, uh, chapter six of verse nine, he says, don't get tired. Don't get tired of helping others. Some translation says, don't get tired of doing good. Don't get tired of doing good. Don't get tired of helping others. Watch this. You will be rewarded when the time is right, if you don't give up. And then he goes on to say some other things. So Paul encourages us, don't get tired 
when the time is right, you will reap if you don't give up. Now, why is he concerned these Christians might quit or give up? Because in life, things happen that make you want to give up. In life, things happen that make you want to say, I'm done, I'm out of here, I quit. You work and work and work, still can't make the bills. You're faithful, 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 someone's unfaithful to you. You love and love and love and someone hates you in return. You're kind and kind and kind and someone is evil toward you. You keep planting and planting and planting, waiting for the harvest and it doesn't seem to be there and you just get angry and you get hurt and everything just flips upside down. You're like, why am I doing this? You know, what, what is the point of all this? Let me just say it for you, okay? Life hurts. Pain comes at us from directions we never anticipated and you work and you work and you work and sometimes the only thing you get in return is disappointment and pain and more opportunities to work. And it gets frustrating. I want you to listen to these chilling words of Solomon, considered to be the wisest man who ever lived. This is found in Ecclesiastes 2. I'm going to put a portion of this up in just a moment, but I want to read to you what he says before we get to that main passage. Now just listen, because I want you to listen and kind of feel it as Solomon is writing this. He's pinning this. Here's a guy, let me just set this up. Here's a guy that's extremely wealthy, extremely powerful, extremely successful, okay? If he lived in our world today, it would be like, you know, the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. He's got everything he wants. Power, prestige, fame, money, he's got everything. And here's what Solomon writes. The same thing, he says, will happen to me that happens to fools. Nothing makes sense, he says. Wise or foolish, we all die and are soon forgotten. This made me hate life. Everything we do is painful. It's just as senseless as chasing the wind. Suddenly I realized that others would someday get everything I had worked for so hard that I started hating it all. Who knows if those people will be sensible or stupid. Either way, they will own everything I have earned by hard work and wisdom. It doesn't make sense. I thought about all my hard work and I felt depressed. When we use our wisdom, knowledge, and skill to get what we own, why do we have to leave it to someone who didn't work for it? This is senseless and wrong. Now listen to this line. What, we, what do we really gain from all our hard work? Our bodies ache during the day and work is torture. Then at night, our thoughts are troubled just doesn't make sense. Do you think you were the only one who ever thought like this? Do you think you're the only one who ever wondered what's the point of it all and all the work we do? You ever, did you even know that this was tucked away in scripture, that other people who followed God, other people who worship God, other people who've tried to be faithful feel like this? It's right there. And sometimes the weight of it all just wraps itself around us and pulls us downward. And we feel that just things aren't fair, things aren't right. And then right when you need God's encouragement and his presence and joy and certainty and confidence and warmth, you feel like you just live in an igloo, surrounded by cold and surrounded by ice and just surrounded by nothing that's joyful. 
in life, there is a lot more sowing and waiting than reaping. And because of how much work there is and because of the waiting in between, a lot of us give up. We become exhausted, we get tired, and we quit in the process. Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Translation of the Bible, he once wrote this line, and I I love it. He says, long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence separate planting from reaping. Farmer goes out and plants seed in a field, comes back in 24 hours, is anything there? No. Comes back in 48 hours, is anything there? Probably not. It's going to take a long time for that seed to germinate and for that seed to come back to life and come up through the ground. There is a long time between the planting and the reaping. And in the middle, there's darkness and invisibility and silence. It separates the planting from the reaping. And it's in the darkness, invisibility, and silence where we get fatigued, we give up, we quit. Seasons matter. And what you do, how you respond, what you sow during every single season matters, especially the dark, invisible, and silent ones. Winter. Now listen to me very carefully. I'm going to help you, okay? I'm going to help you because I've had to learn this myself. I'm going to save you some pain, all right? Here's why I say that the planting And the way you respond during winter especially matters. To me, it matters more how you respond in your winter months, your winter season, than spring, summer, or fall. Here's why. If we're not careful, we can make some decisions in the depths of winter we live to regret every other season of life. We can make some decisions in the middle of our winter seasons that we will regret forever. Let me ask you this. Have you ever made a decision at night you regret it in the morning? You don't have to lift your hand on that and you don't have to give examples, but have you ever made a decision at night you regret it in the morning? You ever chose to do something when you felt depressed? Ever chose to do something when you felt down? Ever chose to do something when you felt discouraged? But when you finally came out of it, when, you, when your emotions lifted, when the clouds evaporated, the sun came back out, you look at yourself and go, how could I have done that? Why did I do that? And now you got to live with it. You ever been there? I see it over and over and over again. We get into a winter season. We get into where there's doubt and there's fear and there's dread and you don't feel a lot of the presence of God. You don't feel a lot of joy. You don't feel a lot of these things that you have felt in the past. And in that season, you make some decisions and that season will pass. Every season's temporary. And when the winter season goes and everything begins to thaw out and spring arrives and all of a sudden you've got to live now with what you planted. You're going to reap what you planted in this season. It's during these dark, invisible, and silent seasons when it seems as if nothing is happening that more than you can imagine is actually happening. And it's not always within the terrible moments that life gets hard. You know when life sometimes is really challenging? Let me just kind of bring it down from the rafters and put it right here where we live. You know when, you know when, when life gets really challenging and sometimes we just miss it? It's in the mundane of everyday living. 
We lose sight of what really matters. In the long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence, let me tell you where we experience some of that. Getting ready in the morning. Because you got to do it every day. And it's boring. And it's not inspiring. And it's not motivating. And it's not enjoy, joyful. Driving your kids to school. Some of you lose Jesus every single, you can't find him. You kicked him out somewhere back there. He's rolling on the ground way back there at the school. You, you lose it. Greeting your husband or wife when they come home and you're exhausted. They're exhausted. Finishing a project on time. Being honest on your job when everybody else is lying. Learning to walk away from temptation when no one's keeping you in check. And you could do it and get away with it and nobody would know, except you will reap that harvest later. So it will come back. It will come back. Praying when the heavens seem blocked, but you pray anyway. Singing when you don't have a song. Serving people and you don't even like them. Is that possible? Yes. Believing when nothing seems believable. When pellets of ice hit you in the face. When nothing feels as if it matters. In that moment, in the silence, in the darkness, in the invisibility, something's going on. Once again, you plant a field. Drive by the field, look at the field. Is anything going on? There's nothing going on. Oh, there's something going on. It's below the surface. Something's going on. Activity is happening below the surface. Things are going on. Germination's going on. Life is beginning to push through. But you can't see it yet, but it's underneath the surface. It all matters. Every single moment matters. Every activity matters. Every season matters. And what makes it difficult is that it's hard to stay motivated and respond and react the right way when we're in our winter season because we just can't seem to find the inspiration. So many of us have to have inspiration before we do anything. If it were in the spring or summer, man, it'd be easy, right? Green grass and colors and warmth and high emotions, but when you look for motivation and everything is in, in, that you love is covered in ice, and the cold winds sting you in the face, and death feels as if it's winning, it is difficult to stay inspired to do anything. But listen to me carefully. Listen very, very carefully. Here's a secret I've learned, and I've learned it with pain. Winter provides an opportunity to see how much life still lies within your cold soul. Let me explain. When you enter into a winter season, lights are gone, smoke's gone, music's gone, no bands on stage singing, no sermon seems to make sense. Put the worship album on, doesn't do a thing for you. Open your Bible, you don't even understand it. Doesn't seem to make sense. You feel no faith, no joy, just, you're just numb. You're just bland. There's just nothing there. You're just in a frozen winter season emotionally and spiritually. It is an incredible opportunity to see how much life still lies below the surface and within your cold soul. Here are some questions to think through. Can you do your best without the pats on the back? You see, when the pats on the back leave, can you still do your best 
that reveals what's really underneath the surface in your life. Can you remain faithful when your motivation is gone? Will you do what you said you would do when everything around you screams, don't do it? But you commit it and you know it's the right thing and you do it without the motivation. When you're tempted and no one is around to check, what do you do? Do you know how to worship in the dark? When frost surrounds you, when the ground is rock hard, do you know how to build your own fire? See, the winter season allows you to really see what's below the surface. And if the motivation leaves and the inspiration leaves and all the pats on the back leave, it's only for a season, it will come back. That's one of the things that we learned the very first week. Every season's temporary, every season returns. Winter, it doesn't last forever. Spring will come, summer will come, fall will come, winter will come back. It all goes in a circular fashion. It all comes and goes. It all is here for a while. But do you know what to do when you're in the winter season? Can you build your own fire? Can you keep yourself warm? Are you going to make stupid decisions in the middle of the winter that you have to live with the rest of your life? And can you recognize that every single moment no matter how mundane or how wonderful, if you're in an auditorium filled with people singing to the top of their lungs, can you recognize every single moment from here to there is a God moment and it is a gift and it is an opportunity to dance with the divine even when the divine is unseen? God. Let me ask you, did you think you got up today by accident? There is a reason you're breathing. There is a purpose. Air fills your lungs. Light cascades through your windows and floods your eyes with life every single morning. There's a reason. There's a purpose. There is meaning. Do you know what it is? And can you find that when you don't feel it? God bathed moments everywhere. His presence drips from every tree, melts into the sunset, and reappears with the stars at night. His glory is reflected in the eyes of every single person you meet. Can you see it? Do you recognize it? Every moment is a brief season, seasons we miss, seasons we allow to go unpacked, untapped, potential left packed inside every moment. Why? Why do we miss this potential? Why do we allow our hearts to remain cold and iced over and we don't even know how to build a fire. Why do we do that? Because of these long stretches of darkness, invisibility, and silence. And we fall prey into it. We miss what's happening. I read something this past week. I actually heard something this past week and I thought, this is so good. I got to save this. This person said, and this is an old quote from somebody else who said it and who somebody else said it. I got to go back and track the original source, but I love it. At any given moment, God is up to 10,000 things in your life, but you're only aware of about three. That's how big it is. God is up to 10,000 things in your life, but you're only aware of about three. When you wonder where God is, oh, he's working. 
When you wonder where he is, under the surface of it all, there's life germinating. There's life getting ready to press through. But it's not the season for reaping. It's the season for sowing. It's the season for waiting. It will come through. Have you ever experienced a moment when God broke through your sense of time and performed something unexplainable? You don't have to lift your hand. Just just think about it. You sit and you soak in this moment and you think, I don't really know how to explain that. Maybe it was a question you had stirring inside of you and you had a conversation with someone and that person just answered that question for you and you walk away and you go, how did they even know I was thinking about that? Or you're reading a book and all of a sudden this paragraph answers questions or puts something in perspective that you've never considered before. Or you're reading scripture and it's almost as if that verse jumps off the page and looks you right in the eye. Or you're riding down the road and you're listening to a song and one line, not even have to be a Christian song, you just say song and that one line jumps out and just grabs a hold of you and, and unthaws a part of you. You ever, you ever, you ever had that moment? And you think, God, I think God's in this moment. In the sunset, in the sunrise, in in a song, in the wind, in something. The ancients referred to these moments as experiencing thin spots. I love that. Where the atmosphere separating heaven from earth, God's domain and our domain becomes thin, allowing us to experience a more concentrated presence of God. Doesn't happen all the time, but every now and then, it's almost as if heaven and earth kiss and you're in that moment. You're in that spark. You're in that thin spot where heaven and earth come together. But here's what I've learned. Thin spots do not just happen. Yes, God reveals himself anytime he wants to whomever he wants, even if a person's not looking for him. But the other 99.9% of the time, thin spots are experienced by those who are aware, those who are looking, who are longing, who are waiting, who are seeking, who are hungry, who are elevated above what I call thick spots. You know what thick spots are? That's the places where heaven and earth are far apart where there seems to be just a tremendous amount of distance between God's domain and ours. Let me give you just a few examples. When you sit like a vegetable in front of your TV and consume news media, that's a thick spot. A thick spot when you engage in arguments with other people on social media. A thick spot when you allow yourself to be pulled into silly conversations about nothing or filled with gossip. Thick spots, when you allow your mind to just grow numb and you don't even think of anything higher than what's right here. When you give in to what feels good rather than what is good, those are thick spots. And you rarely experience God's presence in a concentrated, beautiful way when you're in those moments. Avoid them at all costs. Jeremiah 29 13 tells us that we discover God when we seek for him with all of our hearts. Wake up, push away from the silliness around you. Walk away from these empty conversations and empty entertainment and rotten attitudes and moldy people. 
Put yourself in a place where thin spots are more frequent. You'll be amazed at how God breaks through and thaws so much of that ice in your life. Lift your heart and your mind and your vision to what is above. When your eyes and ears and heart become open, when you realize God's spirit is in you, every moment is a divine moment awaiting obedience. Come on. Even in the middle of a winter season, do you have any idea what God wants to do in you? Do you have any idea what God wants to do through you, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't have the inspiration? Let me ask you, what moves you? What bothers you? What do you think needs to be done that you wish you had the money to do or the time to do or the energy to do or the talent to do? Man, what, what's stopping you from making it happen? Well, I, I'm in the winter. I don't feel anything. I'm numb. I, I can't find motivation. Well, that is not the way great women and men thought in the past. They did it whether they felt like it or not. They did it even when they didn't have motivation, even when they couldn't find the energy. They somehow did it anyway. Let me ask you, by the way, if you could see the world as God sees the world, just imagine with me for a moment, you stand with God and you look at this world and you and God are having a conversation and you're standing there with God looking at everything going on around you, what would you say to him as to why you can't find motivation? as to why you can't do what it is that's in your heart to do, but you just can't find the inspiration, what would you say? Well, God, I'm just so busy. My kids have soccer, you know? Come on, man. Please tell me your world is bigger than the playoffs. Please tell me you have more to accomplish than another trophy to put on a shelf and collect dust the rest of your life, and then one day you'll be able to talk about the glory days. Please tell me you have more to accomplish than 10 more pounds to lose or another raise or one more experience you can have on your phone and talk about it for 15 years. Please tell me that there's more inside of you than just that. Wake up, get out of bed. God wants to speak to you and God wants to do things through you. And the season you are in is currently the most important season. Why? Because what you plant today, you will harvest tomorrow. And here's the key. I'm going to say this, and then we're going to close in just a moment. Here's the key. I think we miss this. It's not just things that get planted. We talk a lot about planting and, you know, plant sowing money, sowing talent, sowing time, sowing ministry, sowing these different things, and you'll reap, you'll reap, you'll reap. That's all true, absolutely true. I believe that. But I also believe this. Sometimes people get planted. Sometimes God plants us. And when he plants us, we're underneath the surface, and it's dark, and it's cold, and we feel as if we are dying. It's as if we are buried in the cold, dark tomb. But listen to this, John 12, I love this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you for certain that a grain of wheat that falls on the ground will what? Never be more than one grain unless it dies. But if it dies, 
it will produce lots of wheat. See, right now in your life, when you look around and you don't feel anything and you feel numb and you feel icy and you feel cold, it's possible that you're planted and there are some things in you that's dying out and some things in you that are dying off, some things in you that's rotting and it needs to rot. I know it's hard for you to imagine that you're not just, you know, a near-perfect wife, a near-perfect husband, a near-perfect child, a wonderful Christian, a wonderful citizen. But there's things in you that's probably ugly. And there's some things in you that needs to rot away, and rotting takes time. That's what happens to that seed when it gets in the ground. It rots, it dies out, it germinates, and boom, then it comes back to life. That's what Jesus is saying. During my personal winter season that I mentioned at the beginning, I could, I could literally write a whole book probably just on that. During that season, I probably read 50 books. I probably purchased 100. I interviewed people I had never interviewed before, asked questions I had never asked before. I expanded my understanding of God, of scripture, of the church, of the gospel. I grew in areas I had no idea I needed to grow. I began to confront some personal demons in my life. I pursued mental health. I'm not the same person. It's forever changed. Forever changed. Some things inside of me died. Some things inside of me were born. And it altered me for eternity. Would I want to go through it again? No. Am I glad I went through it? Yes. When you go to bed at night and you turn the lights off and you mute the noise, why do you do so? To rest. To give your body and your mind and your soul an opportunity to recuperate. Tomorrow is a new day. With the sun comes new opportunities. A new birth awaits. Often that's what's going on in our life. I came across this quote um, a while back in a book I'm reading. And I put it on Facebook. I don't even think some people understood it, which is fine. I wasn't clear. But I read this and I thought, wow, that's so beautiful. She said, what if... What if this darkness, whatever the darkness is in your life, what if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, meaning death entirely, but the darkness of the womb? Boy, I thought, man, what if, what if, what if, what if the darkness we're going through is not ultimate death, but what if the darkness we feel is the womb of new birth? What if on the other side of this darkness is new light? What if on the other side of this darkness is a whole new life? What if on the other side of all of this is things that we can never imagine possible? And I ask you, our band's gonna come and they're gonna close us out today in a song. We're gonna go in just a moment. While they're singing this song, just, just let the words of this song and everything I've said today kind of come together and speak to you. And ask yourself, what, what's one thing inside of me that that probably needs to die out.
probably needs to rot and fall off? What's one thing inside of me that probably just needs to go away? And maybe this time of winter season, this time of burial, this time of darkness, this time of coldness, this time of frozen frost is an opportunity for that to happen. Let's listen to this.
service. Just want to piggyback off of what Scott had to say today before we dismiss you. You know, I listened to it first service, um, obviously, and, you know, even as a staff member, as a pastor here, you know, I told the first service, I'll tell you, you know, just find myself today in a season of winter, in a season of death, a season of uh, where the light just seems a little bit further than I want, a little bit more dim than I hope it would be, where hope seems hard to grasp for. And I pray for those thin spots, like Pastor Scott said, where heaven would meet earth and hope would shine through. And I know some of you, too, are in winter seasons. And the thing I think that's so powerful for us to remember is that there is purpose in the winter, that things do have to die. And in this season, wherever you're at, don't let it be a wasted season. There's purpose to be found in the winter. And know that just like the song said, which I cling to even in these days, that winter is just a season. And my season is coming. Winter does not last forever. There is hope to be found. There is growth ahead of you. There is a brighter day to come. And as Christians, we cling to that in the seasons we find ourselves in at times that are more difficult than we'd like. Two quick announcements before I let you go. Number one, if you would please consider on your way out, we would love to have everybody here consider getting one or two angel tree cards off the windows in the main lobby on your way out. This is an amazing opportunity for you and I to be the hands and feet of God and to bless children who need Christmas this year. So I would hope that you would consider that and grab one or two on your way out. And then number two is that if you're new here, we want to encourage you to connect with us. There should be a card like this in the seat back pocket in front of you. There's literally five questions on it. Fill it out. You can take it to the new here area on your way out. We have a gift for you just to say thank you so much for being with us. We're grateful you chose to be here today and worship with us. So if you're a first-time guest, go over there. We can answer any questions you have about Forest Park Church. Guys, I love you. I hope you have an amazing Sunday.